Welcome to the Crossroads Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Crossroads Youth. It's good to be with you today. You guys doing all right? Awesome, awesome. Hey, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. As you guys know, we're in this series called Love Story. And uh, to get you started today, I want to tell you about a time uh, several years ago, uh, our college ministry, we took a mission trip to Salt Lake City, Utah. There was a a church there that we partnered with. And um, if you know anything about Salt Lake City, it's the international headquarters of the Mormon church. And so there's a lot of people uh, of that faith there. And so there's a lot of interactions that we got to have. And on one particular day, um, we split into groups of two or three. And our goal was just, just to kind of go through the city and just engage people in spiritual conversations. And so this got a lot of people in our group out of their comfort zone a little bit. I was with this uh, guy in our group named Adam, and uh, we kind of headed to the south side of downtown where there was a a large homeless population. And uh, we were talking with some people, and we kind of made our way down one street, and we encountered a guy, and uh, his name was Steve. And we started talking to Steve and asking him about his story and, and how he got to this place. And and, and through our conversation, Steve let us know that today was his birthday. We're like, Steve, happy birthday. That, that's, that's great, man. And uh, we, we were excited for him. And, you know, we asked him, hey, do you have any plans? And he's, you know, he's like, well, I'm, I'm homeless. There's not really a whole lot that, that I can do. And so we, we said, man, we hope that you have a great day. And um, we kind of left. And as we walked uh, kind of back to the hotel where we were staying, uh, Adam turned to me and goes, man, it'd be really awesome if we could do something for Steve. So then the, the wheels in our head started turning, and we were like, yeah, what if, what if we threw a birthday party for Steve? And so we went back, and we, we told our group about it, and uh, at our hotel, uh, there was a conference room that, uh, that we used for the week. That was kind of where everybody met. We'd have our, our group sessions and everything in that conference room, and so we kind of pitched the idea to the group, and they said, yeah, and so we had a, a group of people go to the store and get some, like, streamers and some balloons, and we had another group of people go to a grocery store, to the bakery, and they got a birthday cake, and, and they wrote on their happy birthday, Steve, and so we were real excited about this idea. So uh, once the evening came, a group of people kind of went down to that area where, where Steve kind of hung out and said, Steve, why don't you come with us? We, we got something for you, and he was just kind of like skeptical, right? Like, what are you guys trying to do? But, but he came with them and, and walked into the hotel, and he walks in, and it's kind of like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be here. But, but he followed, and uh, walk in, turn into the conference room, and everybody shouts, happy birthday, Steve! And he's just kind of in shock, right? Like, this was not what he was expecting. And so there were streamers, there was a big sign that said, happy birthday, Steve. We put a hat on his head, and, uh, and we handed him the cake and, and said, Steve, we, we want you to cut the cake. And... Um, I said, but before you do, I, I, I want to pray. Well, we were kind of making a lot of noise and commotion, so the night manager kind of makes his way into the conference room, and he's just kind of standing there in the back watching all of this. And so I, I pray, and, and I just thank God for giving Steve another year of life, ask, ask God to, to bless him and to provide for him. And then when I'm done, Steve cuts the cake, and everybody's eating birthday cake and hanging out and having a good time. And, and the night manager kind of makes his way over to me. He kind of sees that I'm kind of leading the group, and he says, I didn't know you guys were a church group. What, what kind of church are you guys a part of? And, and I know kind of the, the history of, of, of how people think of religion in Salt Lake City. And so I kind of looked at him. I said, I, 
I guess we're the kind of church that throws birthday parties for homeless people. And, you know, if we did a little word association test, and I said church, I'm guessing that, that for most of us, the first thing that comes to mind is not a place that throws parties. That, that generally isn't our first expectation. And yet, if you look in the Gospels, it's this recurring theme. It's a recurring metaphor in the parables of Jesus. Now, do we need to do a better job of preaching the gospel? I'm sure we do. But I wonder what would happen if we threw better parties. I think the kingdom would come a little closer. I believe, this is my personal opinion, but I know I'm not alone, that one of the greatest things we do here at Crossroads is night to shine. If you guys have been around here for any length of time, uh, you know that Night to Shine is basically, it's a prom for people with special needs. It's one of the absolute highlights of the year. And I would describe it kind of like a reverent party, right? And honestly, I think that's what every weekend ought to be like. Like my dream is that when people miss church, they actually miss church. Why? Because you miss the party. And that goes for everything we do. It doesn't matter if, our, if it's our spring break mission trip to Mexico. It doesn't matter if it's beach week or camp. We don't believe that fun and Jesus are at odds. And so today, that's what I wanna do. I wanna talk about throwing a better party, throwing grace parties. And so in Luke 15, with your Bibles turned there, let me kind of set the scene for you. Verse one says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with him. In other words, Jesus partied with the wrong people. According to the Pharisees, it says that, that sinners would often come to listen to him teach. And I find that fascinating because it's not just sinners. It's like notorious sinners. When I think of notorious sinners, I'm sorry, maybe I'm just a little cynical, but I think of politicians, Right? You think of right now in Texas, how Ted Cruz, he's caught a lot of heat, you know, for, for how he's, he's responded to things. And so, but, but Jesus, he'd hang out with these people that, that nobody else would. And generally speaking, it, it, it's religious people who go to church and it's irreligious people who don't, right? And so in one sense, this seems a little bit backwards, but maybe that's because we're the wrong side out. So let me just ask you a couple of, of maybe like diagnostic questions, just kind of up front here. It might, it might be helpful to write these down. Who are you befriending and who are you offending? Who are you befriending and who are you offending? If we're befriending religious people and offending irreligious people, then I think we've got Jesus backwards. We think we're following Jesus, but maybe we're really following Pharisees. Because what I know for sure is that Jesus was a friend of sinners and Jesus offended Pharisees and I would tell you, go and do likewise. But allow me to push the envelope a little bit further. It was these non-religious people that seemed to be drawn to Jesus and the Pharisees don't like it, especially the tax collectors. Why is that? Well, here's the short answer. Israel was under Roman rule which meant that the Jews had to give to Caesar what belonged to Caesar's, but the Roman Empire, they employed the local population, the local citizens, to collect those taxes. 
And those tax collectors were notorious for being cheaters and traitors. They were profiting off their own people and everybody hated them and Jesus loved them. And so the the Pharisees, they throw this accusation against Jesus. They accuse Jesus of being a friend of sinners. Now again, if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write this down. A compliment from a fool is an insult and an insult from a fool is a compliment. See, see, the Pharisees, they're trying to insult Jesus, and Jesus, he just takes it as a compliment. What's he say? He says it's not the the righteous that need a doctor, but it's those who are sick that need a doctor. Jesus is, is is a person who had a huge heart for people who were hurting, for the outcasts, for the misfits, and that's why he ate with sinners and partied with tax collectors and touched lepers and celebrated Samaritans. And then he drafted a tax collector to be one of his disciples. He changed his name to Matthew. Matthew wrote a little book. It just happens to be the first book in our New Testament. But you know how all that started? It started with a party at Matthew's house. It's amazing how many good things happen and start with a party. So back to those questions. Who are you befriending? Jesus kind of stated his M.O. when he said, I came to seek and to save the lost. So what's that mean? I think Jesus was all about helping people find their way back to God. And that generally starts with befriending people who are far from God. So let me just tell you this. Jesus, for me, he's not like my agenda. Jesus is my life. So so when I relate to someone, it isn't about some agenda that I have. It's about doing what Jesus did, and that was loving people. And the way I see it, that if if people are hanging out with me, they're hanging out with Jesus. Why? Because I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. It's like a package deal. There's no way around this. If you spend any amount of time with me, you're going to get a little bit of Jesus there, too. Why? Because he's not my agenda, he's my life. He's my identity, he's my everything. So who are you befriending? I hope that it's some people who are far from God. And then secondly, who are you offending? Let me give you a little saying, a little axiom, a proverb, if you will. Thou shalt offend Pharisees. Because that's what I see in in the Gospels. You know, Jesus, he could have healed on any day of the week. But for some reason, he chooses over and over again to heal on the Sabbath. Why would he do that? I think because he knew it would be a lot more fun. Why not kill two birds with one stone, right? Heal someone, but also confront the religiosity of the Pharisees at the same time. All right, let's switch gears. Luke 15. Jesus tells three stories, one about a lost sheep, one about a lost coin, one about a lost son. And the lesson from those three stories make the same point, and it's this. God has a huge heart for those who are outside the fold, outside the fence, outside the family. And that's why one of the things that we're all about at Crossroads is existing for people who aren't even here yet. We exist to throw parties in heaven. We exist to help people find their way back to God, to connect people to God. 
You see, this is the God who searches high and low for the lost sheep. This is the God who sweeps the house to find the lost coin. This is the God who is waiting and watching for his lost son. And when he sees him, he runs full speed. And it's this last story that I want to unpack a little bit. You're probably familiar with this story. It's a story about a son who was disowned by his father. He actually was the one who disowned his father because he, he claimed, he demanded his inheritance, which was completely uncalled for. You didn't do that unless your father had died. So he's saying, Dad, I, I wish you were dead. But his father gives him that inheritance. He blows it pretty quickly. He ends up in a pig pen, which is basically rock bottom if you're a kosher Jew, but he comes to his senses. He decides to go home. He begs his father for forgiveness. And this is what happens. It says in Luke 15, verse 20, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And I love what happens next in verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The father says in verse 22, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And then he says, verse 23, and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Now, there's something that, that you need to know about covenants that were made in the ancient world. There was often an exchange of robes or, or rings or bells or articles of clothing, even an exchange of blood. And then it was commemorated with a memorial meal. Do you see what's happening here? There's a robe, there's a ring, there's sandals. This is a father who is reestablishing covenant with his son. And all along, I think to myself, like, I would have at least taken five minutes to give the kid a lecture. I would have at least, you know, scolded him for, for the foolish decisions that he had made. But this is the heart of the father. And he throws a party because he knew that his son was repentant. But then it says this in verse 24. And they began to celebrate. The New Living Translation says, so the party began. Man, I like that. I like that a lot. Some of you, maybe you've heard the name Bob Goff before. Uh, I met Bob at a pastor's conference a few years ago. And um, Bob's just crazy, okay? There's really no other way to say it. Uh, he's just wired a little differently. But he's one of the most loving people in the entire world. Uh, several years ago, I read a book called Love Does, and it's, it's one of my top 10 favorite books of all time. Uh, a couple years after that, he wrote a follow-up book called Everybody Always, and I wanna tell you a story from that book, but I kinda wanna frame it so you understand who this guy is first. I don't know Bob Goff personally. I met him once at a conference, but uh, Mark Batterson, I, I heard him speak one time and he talked about one of the most memorable moments of his life was when Bob invited some friends up to his lodge in Canada. And so Mark and his son, he flew up to Seattle and then they get on this boat and they're on this boat for what seems like hours into the middle of nowhere. But then they come into a clearing and it kind of opens up 
and they see this, this huge flatbed boat coming towards them. And it's strange because this flatbed boat is towing two skiers. And then there's a fully uniformed marching band playing on top of this boat. And there's a guy with a kilt playing bagpipes. Okay? And Mark's like, what is going on here? Well, this is just Bob's way of welcoming people to his lodge. Right? This is just normal for Bob, okay? This is just, this is just a Tuesday for Bob, okay? So when, when we read this story of the prodigal son, and we see the father waiting and watching and ready to run and throw this party, th- this is what I get in my mind, okay? Bob welcomed Mark in such an extravagant way. And may we be so welcoming. May we be a church, may we be a youth ministry that throws parties to welcome people. Now, there's one particular story in this book that I love because it really helps us, I think, connect the dots here. I'm not saying that you have to go out and you have to rent a flatbed boat and and, and have a marching band, okay? I'm not saying that at at all. I want to bring this down to, to something that we can relate to. So Bob, he travels around a half million miles every year, okay? He's going here, he's going there, he's going everywhere. He's traveling, he's speaking, and when you do that, it's kind of weird, but you go through the airport so many times that you begin to kind of know the TSA agents, right? The the people that you see several times uh, a week. And so Bob recognized this guy on this particular day, and for whatever reason, instead of handing him his, his ID, he held out his hand and he shook the agent's hand. Who does that, right? Like, this is TSA. It's like, let me get in, let me get out, let me just kind of get through here. And and he told the agent, he says, you know, I've passed you a dozen times, and I just wanted to say thank you for the way that that you treat each person in this line. It's really amazing. The the way you treat people reminds me of of how Jesus loved people. And this TSA agent just looks up at him. He has tears in his eyes. And he stands up, he, he gets out from around that little desk and he goes and he just wraps his arms around Bob. Now, what, what made it funny is that Bob's kind of a tall guy and this guy was small. And so he says his arms are just kind of wrapped around him and his head is just kind of in his chest, right? And, and, and he just, he, he cries. And it was like this, this slow dance with hundreds of people waiting in line in security saying, what's going on up there? But, but I love what Bob says in the book. He says, this was the beginning of my friendship with Adrian, three minutes at a time. And he goes on to talk about how over the years, I mean, dozens of times, they would just kind of catch up here, catch up there, three minutes at a time. And they became friends. And it got to the point where their families would end up spending holidays together. And I love this. Bob says, we start by meeting people just three minutes at a time. Say, okay, what, what was Bob doing? I think he was throwing a party. I think that's how the kingdom comes here. We love people who are right in front of us and right next to us. Like like this is who and this is how we should love. We throw parties for people who are outside the fold, outside the fence, outside the family. We love people when they least expect it and least deserve it. And you know what? I think we do some of that but I think we could do a lot more. 
Why? Because that's what the love of Christ compels us to do. And so let me give you an assignment this week, okay? It's so simple. This isn't above us. This isn't beyond us. This is something every single one of us can do. Your assignment this week is to throw a three-minute party. That's it. Love them, do something encouraging, celebrate them somehow, some way. Now let me explain to you kind of what this looks like. I have a friend here at Crossroads. His name's Matt Allen. He's a part of the church. He leads a connect group. He's one of the assistant football coaches at Lake Ridge. Some of you may know Coach Allen. Um, he's had me come out a few times over the years to, uh, to lead a Devo and, and speak to the team before home football games. And it's been a really cool experience to be a part of that. But I'll never forget the first time that I went over to, to Lake Ridge um, Coach Allen, he, he met me outside the school and he kind of gave me the tour and he kind of explained how things go down and it was pretty impressive. But what I loved as, as a pastor was not watching him dissect game film. It was not looking at the, at the cool facilities and, and, and the technology they were using. It, it wasn't any of that. What I loved was watching Coach Allen pastor those students, pastor those football players, I watched him walk through the halls and connect with students. I watched him make eye contact with young men and encourage them. I watched him uh, go up to, 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 to players and ask them about their family members by name. This is incredible. And I left there just thinking, man, man, like the kingdom of heaven is near. Like, this is just someone doing what they do three minutes at a time. Guys, we can do this. Come on, we can do this. So in our story, the father, he kills the fattened calf, okay? Well, that's kind of weird language for us. We're like, kill the fattened calf? Like, that's strange, that's weird. But hey, think 4th of July, okay? Think holidays, right? We kill the fattened calf, right? Or on Thanksgiving, right? We brine the turkey, we let it sit there for 24 hours, we throw it on the smoker for eight hours, and then we throw down, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about? We, we feast. Not exactly a fattened calf, but, but you, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know what that is in this story? It's grace. It's grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Students, I'm telling you, it's showing grace to others when they least expect it and least deserve it because that's what God does to us. So as we think about this parable, we think about this story, I wish, personally, I wish the story ended with the party, but it doesn't. It's kind of like a Marvel movie, right? There's this post-credit scene and there's this significant subplot that, that happens in the story and we read it in verse 25. We're going to close with this. It says, uh, verse 25, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. It says, verse 28, But he was angry and refused to go in. The older brother, brother refused the party, and his language reveals a lot. Verse 29, he says to his father, look, these many years I have served you. Really? 
I thought you were a son, not a slave. You see, our language, the things we say, it reveals so much about what's going on up here and what's going on in here. This kid has an orphan mindset. But the father says, everything I have is yours. And then he said in verse 30, but when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. I think what he meant to say was my brother, not your son. See, there is something going on inside of this older brother. And guys, I'm afraid it's me. Three things. Number one, I think most of us would rather be right than righteous. There's a difference. I think it's the difference between being holy and holier than thou. The older brother was self-righteous. Number two, we tend to categorize other people's sins as worse than ours. That's what the older brother is doing. He sees the lust. He sees the greed in his younger brother, but he cannot see the pride and prejudice in his own heart. And then number three, I really think that we want God to be merciful with us and just with others. And that's a problem because we hold a grudge. We get the seed of bitterness that takes root in our heart. And so as I close, I just wanna ask you today, who are you in this story? Are you the younger brother? Are you the older brother? Are you religious or are you repentant? Listen, God could care less about religiosity. Honestly, it's a turnoff. You cannot read the Gospels and not see Jesus going after the people that had all the trappings of religious, but had a heart that was just in the wrong place. But I got some good news. First of all, all of us are in the same boat. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Here's the good news, though. Luke 15, verse 10. There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Can I tell you what God is looking for today? Someone with a repentant heart. Now, that word for repent is the Greek word metanoeo. Metanoeo. Meta means change. Noeo means mind. When it says that the younger brother came to his senses, there's this moment of repentance in his life. And I'm just wondering how many of us here in this room have played the part of older brother a time or two. And I wonder if maybe we could repent of our religiosity and we could posture ourselves in a way that we love people the way that Jesus did. We love people when they least expect it and least deserve it. Where we're not afraid to offend some Pharisees. And you know what? When we do that, when we start throwing better parties, we start throwing some grace parties, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. His kingdom is gonna come and his will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and make sure to tag us at Crossroads Youth. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.